0: Please turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Picking up where we left off last time, we'll read verses 42 through 49. I would invite you to follow along in your copy of the word of God as I read. And let me remind you, this is the word of God. Acts 13, verse 42, as Paul and Barnabas were going out. The people repeatedly begged to have these things spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up and many of the Jews and the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who were speaking to them and urging them to continue in the grace of God. Verse 44, the next Sabbath, nearly all the city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiated it and considered yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have appointed you as a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed and the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. Let's bow our heads for prayer. God, we pray that you would bless our time together today. We pray that you would bless your word, read and now preached. God, prepare our hearts to be good soil to receive the seed of your word. God, where where our hearts may be hardened, where our hearts may be pressed down with so much rain and trampling, we pray that you would break up the fallow parts, the fallow parts. Ground of our hearts God hide this preacher behind the cross and open the ears of your people that we may hear Christ. We pray this in his strong and mighty name. Amen. Last week we saw that Paul and Barnabas had come to the synagogue and this was uh, the, the last minute invitation came that they were they were invited to speak to give an exhortation to this congregation. And uh, this was not uh, prepared. It may, uh, you may remember, and and it seems clear from the text of Paul's sermon that Paul had prepared for this possibility, but for the synagogue leaders, this was last minute. Hey, there's a preacher here. Do you want to say some words? And Paul was prepared to say those words. This last minute nature of them being asked reminded me of a few times in ministry where something came up, last minute once as a music minister the pastor came just just moments before church and said the granddaughter of an elderly church member is visiting today and she's wanting to sing so she's going to sing right before the sermon you know that time where you have uh, have your hearts prepared to receive the word of god she's saying you are the wind beneath my wings Another time we were having a special worship service and again, I was the music minister and we had invited the entire community and it seemed like everyone showed up and the pastor came to me last minute and said, hey, I think I'm going to ask the pastor from one of these other churches in the community just to lead in prayer and uh, a new record, a new world record was set that day for the amount of false and heretical doctrine that could be crammed into one prayer. These last minute things have backfired so many times that as a pastor, as a, as a churchman, I, the lesson I learned is don't give anybody the mic and prepare, prepare the things that will be said. I don't know if you're aware. I preach from a manuscript and everything is written in my manuscript, except the words that say I preach from a manuscript. Uh, We we try to prepare everything and some some criticize and say, well, shouldn't you be spontaneous? Shouldn't you let the Holy Spirit lead? Uh, And the answer is, yes, we do let the Holy Spirit lead while we are preparing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we believe the Holy Spirit has has the ability to prepare. And then, as we have prepared, uh, it's easier to make adjustments. This this sometimes is a is a cringe worthy moment when something comes up last minute and you have a change. And I wonder if those synagogue scribes and leaders. Who asked this visiting preacher to speak. And then he stands. And begins to preach Jesus. I wonder if they were thinking. What have we done? They may have seen this as a great mistake. But God. (laughs) In his sovereignty. Worked that the gospel was preached. And they were none too happy about it. We find in our text today about this gospel presentation. Paul preached and we considered last time uh, the, the preaching that Paul brought. And in verse 42, we come today to the effects of Paul's sermon. And we need to look closely at verse 42. The effects of Paul's sermon come in this verse but there are differences here. Uh, I believe most of you are probably reading either from the New American Standard Version of Scripture or from the English Standard or the 11th Standard Version of the Bible. Uh, so that's where most of us are. Perhaps someone has a King James copy uh, of the Scripture. If you're following along in NASB or in, in uh, ESV, you can probably follow pretty well as I was reading. But there are differences that come up. Um, We don't have a discrepancy here, but we have something that the English translations are doing for us. Both the King James and the New American Standard and English Standard, they're all doing this work. And this is a work of interpretation. They're doing an interpretive work. And if you're thinking, well, we're glad for that. Most of the time, Christians, we don't want the interpretive work to be done by our translators. We want them to do a translation work and we want to be able to interpret the scripture according to good hermeneutics. And often we don't know what their hermeneutics would be, but here they do an interpretive work that we typically would like to have done ourselves. Here's here's what I'm getting at. And if you'll look at your Bible, you'll see one of these things. The New American Standard and the ESV has it like this. Paul and Barnabas were going out in verse 42 and the people or the congregation repeatedly begged to have these things spoken next Sabbath. Paul and Barnabas were going out and the congregation or the people asked to have the things repeated. The King James has it this way and see the difference. When the Jews had gone out, the Gentiles sought that these things might be preached to them next Sabbath. So one says Paul and Barnabas were going out and the people, the congregation asked to have these things repeated. One says the Jews had gone out uh, and, and apparently that would be in this interpretive work. The unbelieving Jews, those who rejected and the Gentiles asked that these things be repeated. Melanchthon Jacobus suggests that the best Word-for-word translation, and I I, I almost called some of you this week to to get our language stuff down on this. Uh, Melanchthon Jacobus suggests that a word-for-word translation would be better like this. When they had gone out, they begged to have these words preached. Well, here's the thing. I like that because it doesn't do the interpretive work for us, but now we have to figure out who they is, right? We have to go and figure out who... And let me say to you, I I don't have a solid answer, uh, but I will say this. Um, The King James mentions Jews and Gentiles. Before I go there, let me me pause. I want to remind us of one thing. There are differences in scripture like we're talking about right now. But not one of these differences even uh, approach to the place that they would do damage to the doctrines of Christ, to the doctrines of the gospel, to the fact that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, so so this is one of those little nuances that that might make. A little bit of a difference as to how we understand this. But this does not affect the doctrines of the church. So that I want to remind us before we move forward talking about this. Well, the, the, and, and now we're going to talk about the differences. And we're going to see that both the King James and the New American Standard have a place and, and can be seen in this text. The King James mentions the Jews going out and the Gentiles asking. And the New American Standard, the ESB mentions Paul and Barnabas going out and the congregation asking. The the verses preceding this make it clear that Paul and Barnabas were there in that place that they had preached and that there was a congregation of people. Surely they went out of that place. So we see that. And the verses following this make it clear that there were Jews and there were Gentiles and that they were generally not individually, but generally Jews and Gentiles divided in their response to the preaching of the gospel. So what I'm trying to say to you is if you have the King James Version or the New American Standard or English Standard Version, we see all those elements present in this. There are some nuances. Many of the old boys, I I like to read old guys. Melanchthon Jacobus, if you don't know, he's dead. Guys named that, they probably died of the (laughs) name. Just just the big name. Uh, I like to read the old boys. And and many of the old boys who commented on this text, they didn't have the New American Standard. They didn't have the English Standard Version. Uh, So they, they were addressing it from the English version of the King James. So it read when the Jews had gone out, the Gentiles asked that they would hear more of the gospel. Jacobus then working from this King James makes an interesting correlation. All of this is to bring us to this point. Jacobus makes this interesting correlation to Paul's earlier preaching when he says this quote. As with Sergius Paulus and Ellenus at Paphos, the Jew rejects and the Gentile receives salvation. Even if, according to the late critics, the terms Jew and Gentile are omitted in this verse, this is still the result as it appears from the following verses. So Jacobus is working from the King James, but he knows that there's already a question about. the the King James uh, interpretive work of saying Jews and Gentiles. And he shows us here, overall, we see the Jew rejecting and the Gentile receiving. And this is certainly the result that happened with uh, Sergius Paulus and Elemas the magician. And it is the result that we see here in this text. Look very quickly, verse 46. Paul speaking says it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you, the Jews first, since you, the Jews repudiated and consider yourself the Jews unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. So see, this is the result of what happens here. This statement marks a change in direction as far as Paul and Barnabas Are concerned. There's a change here. And we, fellow members of humanity, we know what it is like when we start with one plan and then things change. We may not like it, but we know what it is. We understand it. We even have little figures of speech that mark the event of a change. We say things like changing horses in midstream. Where we started with one plan and we get a part way through and we have to switch and, and that may be that, that change horses in midstream is often presented as a negative. You don't want to change horses in midstream, but sometimes it's necessary. We even acknowledge the, the starting out with one plan and the change to something different when we say things like aim for the stars. And you might reach the moon. We've heard that. And what is it it saying? It's saying sometimes we start out with one aim and we have to change our target. We have to change things. The failure and change of plans is common among humans. And we all know what this is like. And it may appear to many of us that this is what's going on here with Paul and Barnabas. They started with the Jews that failed utterly and they went to the Gentiles. But we need to be more careful as we see what's happening here. And we need to remember the sovereignty and providence of God. This is not a failure and a redirect. Paul preached. And God's will was accomplished. God's word does not return void. God's word does not fail. God's word accomplishes the purpose where to it was sent. There's not a time in the New Testament where we find Paul and Barnabas saying, Well, we failed. With Elamis, the magician. Maybe we should have maybe we should have been more nice about how we presented this thing. Maybe we should have used softer words or chosen our words a bit more carefully. No, they spoke the word. They spoke the word of God and then they moved on. They don't question in this text. Did we blow it with the Jews? Did did we just fail here? That's not what comes up. This is not failure and recovery on the part of Paul and Barnabas. This is success in preaching. There are many preachers that would do good to hear this. They think. Sometimes we think. Success is when people can't find a place to sit, it's so packed. Success is when we have to go to two services or two campuses or success is this or success is this This is success in preaching. They preached and some Jews heard and believed unto salvation and some heard and rejected Christ to their own detriment. But it was preaching success. And after preaching success to the Jews, God opens the door now for them to preach to the Gentiles. This was the sovereign plan and the provident work of God all along. When we see the gospel received, that is God's work. And we all say amen and we love that. But when we see the gospel preached and rejected, it is no less in the providence of God. What a hard thing for Paul, a Jew. And remember how he loved his countrymen? Remember how he loved Israel? What a hard thing for him to say, you have repudiated the gospel. And have deemed yourself unworthy of eternal life. Boy. As as a preacher. I wonder if tears didn't well up. I wonder. Verse 42 says as they were going out. They re- I'm using the Melanchthon Jacobus version now. As they were going out. They repeatedly begged to have these things spoken to them. The next Sabbath the next Sabbath may be understood as between Sabbaths, between now and next Sabbath. It may be understood that way. And that is certainly what happened. That's the sense that we get from this text. It's clear that Paul and Barnabas had the opportunity throughout the week to speak to those people who wanted to talk to them about the gospel. Those Jews who received, who believed and those gentiles who wanted to hear more. Notice this verse verse 42. It says they begged to have these things spoken. These things that they didn't ask to have these preachers. I mean they did have these preachers. But they didn't ask for the preachers That's the mark of an unbeliever. Second Timothy warns with these words. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine teaching. But after their own lusts they will heap to themselves. They will gather to themselves. Teachers. Having itching ears. And they will turn away from the truth. But we have our teachers. We know today that the church is in trouble. When there are so many personalities. When there are so many famous preachers. When we hear so often things like this. I want to go and hear that man. And now if we mean by that. That we want to go and hear And we are following that man's personality. We're a mess. When the church has become a cult of personality. Let us say Christians, I want to hear. I have in my notes. I want to hear this doctrine. But how about this? Tell me the old, old story. Of unseen things above of Jesus and his mercy of Jesus and his love I want to hear these things that's what they asked for this is the sense of what the people were saying we want to hear these things we want to hear these doctrines we want to hear these words about the Christ brothers and sisters pick your favorite preacher the one you listen to on the regular, and acknowledge that their skill in communication is really of little value. Acknowledge that their presentation and ability to turn a phrase is only a small profit. Note, I didn't say their communication skill is of no value you got to have some skills in communicating. But ultimately, the communication skill, the style of speaking, it's very little value. It's a small profit. What is a profit is the message preached. Yeah. Just to name some guys. You love John MacArthur. You love R.C. Sproul. Don't let it be those men the doctrine. Now, now there is something. I can name those men because of years of evidence of faithfulness to the scripture. But let us not forget that it's not the men. When, when those men die, what have we lost? We haven't lost anything. R.C. Sproul's in heaven. Learning to be a good Baptist. Yeah. And we still have the gospel. We still have the message. We haven't lost something. Let us, church, follow these believers in following after the doctrine. In following after these things that are spoken of Christ. Verse 43, now, when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up and many of the Jews and God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who were speaking to them and urging them to continue in the grace of God. Not all of the congregation followed Paul and Barnabas out, but it says here in verse 43 that many, did. many of the Jews and God-fearing Gentile proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas. There were Jews and there were Gentiles in this. And and listen to what the preacher said. Paul and Barnabas, it says in this verse, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. Now, this is not just a statement of dismissal. This is not just a statement of encouragement. It's it's deeper than that. And we need to see this. In order for Paul and Barnabas to say, let me urge you to continue in the grace of God. What happened? They had to have begun in the grace of God. These are brand new believers who just heard the gospel preached and they have received it and believed in Jesus repenting of sin. This is Paul and Barnabas encouraging, encouraging them It for Christian perseverance. You stay the course. Keep your hand to the plow. And as I've already said, this is gospel success. This is this is preaching success. But in the next verses, we see gospel resistance, gospel rejection. The next Sabbath. Verse 44, I, I thought and I didn't think in preparation, but and it's dangerous when I think in the pulpit. <laughs> it's, I, I thought as I read this earlier, the next Sabbath, nearly all the city assembled. And I thought back to a church I pastored. <laughs> you when you pastor a church and you show up and there are people that you've never seen and the place is packed out, my advice is look out. Somebody's getting ready to fire the preacher. Paul and Barnabas come the next Sabbath and nearly all the city assembles to hear the word of God. Note that those who wanted to hear that some of them sincerely wanted to hear and others wanted to hear that they might accuse. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things Paul spoke and were blaspheming. Now, this is not the first opposition that's been brought against the gospel and it's, it won't be the last, but we see the motivation here. When they saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. Verse 46, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. Boy, do I know when you hear opposition, what you want to do is cut and run. What you want to do is backpedal. What you want to do is just get out of here. Paul and Barnabas, in the face of opposition, spoke boldly. I don't think we have to read here that they got angry. Maybe some righteous anger, but but we have to guard as preachers and we have to guard as Christians against bringing our own our own anger, our own angst into a thing. You can really mess things up that way. They didn't speak out boldly and say, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. They spoke out boldly and they spoke what God gave them to say. It is necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. First. Since you repudiated it and considered yourself unworthy, yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas, they don't give a piece of their mind, but they also don't go to the other side and say, let us question our success. Did we fail last week in preaching? They don't, they don't say, let's, let's adjust the sermon to be a little bit more seeker sensitive. That's not what's here. They don't say, "Let's, let's look at what parts are offensive and see if we can polish off those sides. Basically, they say, we preached to you first, and that's what we needed to do, and now we'll go and preach to others. We'll preach to the Gentiles, and that's what we need to do now. They preached in one sense without regard to Jew and Gentile. We preach then we're going to preach. But in another sense. Now they're preaching a message of condemnation. To those Jews. Who have rejected Jesus Christ. And this message that they bring. Comes from the Old Testament. In verse 47. For the Lord has commanded us. I have appointed you as a light to the Gentiles. That you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That sounds in this context. As though it's a command given from God. To Paul and Barnabas and and it kind of is a command given to Paul and Barnabas in this place. But this is a quote from Isaiah 49. I believe it's verse six And, and Isaiah 49 is a messianic text where God the father is speaking to the son to Jesus about sending him as savior, sending him to earth to be a savior. And listen to the whole verse father speaking to the son Isaiah 49 6 he says it is too small a thing that you be sent to be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob to restore the protected one of Israel it's too small I will also make you a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth this whole Gentile thing, this didn't just come up, this didn't just pop up in Acts. And it wasn't because of a failure that they had to readjust things. All the way back from Isaiah, Christ would come to save, regardless Jew, Greek, male, female, slave, or free. Paul quotes this verse as a proof text that God's salvation is going to the nations. It's going to the end of the earth. Far from seeing this rejection of the Jews as a failure on his part, Paul knew that this was the sovereign plan of God. And he knew that that their efforts in preaching to the Jews and then to the Greeks, to the Jews, then to the Gentiles would be blessed by God because it is his plan. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, you Gentiles here today? When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. When the Gentiles heard that the salvation from God is for us, that Jesus the Messiah was a light, not just to the Jews, that's too small a thing, but to the world, to all of us, to the nations. They rejoice. I pray that every Gentile Christian still rejoices over this fact. It says they began to rejoice glorifying the word of the Lord. I was visiting a church once and I received criticism that I spoke too much about the word of God. The, the criticism came from a young person who was who was sincere when they said you speak too much about the Word of God and not enough about God too much about doctrine and not enough about Jesus friends to separate the word of God from the God of the word is impossible to separate Christ from From the doctrine of Christ, that's nonsense. The doctrine of Jesus cannot be taken away from Jesus himself here. They didn't glorify the word as though they became worshipers of paper and ink or whatever they were writing on and writing with. They became they glorified the word of God because the word of God reveals God the word of God reveals the Savior and the salvation that we have in Christ they glorified the word of the Lord which pointed them to the cross of Christ which pointed them to the Savior look at verse 48 that last phrase and I want you to read it and follow along closely the last little phrase and all who believed were appointed to eternal life. Well, I'm getting some looks. I'm not getting enough looks. <laughs> some of you aren't following closely enough. Is that what it says? The last phrase of verse 48. And all who believed were appointed to eternal life. Is that it? All who believed were appointed? That, that's what so many Christians read. That's what so many churches teach. All who believe are appointed. It's as though belief, faith is the work that earns you appointment unto eternal life. That's what so many read and they believe that and they preach that. But that is not what is here. And some of you, I know your minds are already going. That's also not what's in John. That's also not what's in Rome. Yeah, that's also not what's a lot of places. It says here. All who had been appointed to eternal life. Believed. That's what it read. That read correctly. We come to find that Luke is a proper Calvinist. Appointed to eternal life. What's another word for that? Elect. This is elect. And those who are elect, election becomes the determiner for faith. If we said this a different way, all the elect believe. This would be enough if this were the only testimony about the election of God from the scripture, but it's not. It's not the only place that we can find the doctrines of grace. And by the way, we are out of time, but we call them the doctrines of grace. Why? Because without the grace of God, we would never believe. If those who believed were appointed to eternal life, who would? Nobody. These doctrines of grace found throughout the scripture are famously or infamously known as Calvinism. When asked about Calvinism, Charles Spurgeon said this. Lest, lest anyone were to think that John Calvin invented this. Spurgeon says the old truth that Calvin preached that Augustine preached that Paul preached is the truth that I must preach today or else be false to my conscience and my God. I cannot shape the truth. I know no such thing as paring off the rough edges of a doctrine. John Knox gospel is my gospel. That which thundered through Scotland must thunder through England again. He said that a long time ago, so we can add to that the same Bible doctrine that was preached by Calvin, Augustine, Paul, by Spurgeon, by John Knox, was also preached by the Apostle John, was also preached by Barnabas. It was also preached by Dr. Luke as he wrote Luke and Acts. And we do pray that the gospel thunders again through England and through Cuba and through the United States of America and here, in Waco, Texas. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that we read in this text That your word was being spread through the whole region. And God, we acknowledge the special nature of this time, this fullness of time that you had brought forth your son. and, And now you are building your church. But God, we know that you are not done. That you're not done building your church, that you're not done saving the elect. So, oh God, we pray. We pray for our sons. We pray for our daughters. And, God, we, we are helpless. We cannot save We can't argue them into the kingdom. We can't wrestle them into the kingdom. But as you, in your grace, in your mercy, as you have pursued us, as you have apprehended us by your word and spirit, to be covenant members Your kingdom. God, we pray for our sons and daughters. We see throughout the Old Testament and through the New Testament that you are kind and benevolent to save not only Abraham, but also Isaac. And not only Isaac, but also Jacob. And not only Jacob, but also Joseph. God, we pray for our own lineage, for our own children. Some so young that they're, they're brand new babies. They don't even know their sin yet. We pray for their salvation. Even now, knowing that it's not too soon, not too early. God, some of them who have grown, who, who know, of sin, and some of them who have grown to the point that they know of sin so well, and they love it. And God, we pray that you would intervene, that you would step in, that having appointed them to eternal life, you would bring belief, faith, and repentance. God, for those who are among us, not our sons and daughters, but fathers and mothers and husbands and wives. God, we pray for salvation. Help us to be faithful, faithful to your commands, faithful to your word, faithful to know your gospel and to communicate to to speak of Jesus Christ properly. God we pray that this church here in Waco would be a lighthouse would be a place where when people want to hear these things of Christ, if they can hear them here. Keep us pressed into the cross. Remind us often what Jesus has done. And as we come to the table this morning, We pray that you remind us once again what our Savior has done. Leaving his throne in heaven, not counting deity, something to be grasped, something to be held on to, but laying aside all the benefits of deity to become a man. To take to himself a true body and a reasonable soul represented in the bread that we received this morning. Living the life to earn the righteousness that we so desperately needed and could not earn. Remind us of this work. Of obedience of our Savior. And as we take the cup, remind us that being wrongly accused, convicted, and put to death, that on the cross, he bore our sins. The guilt that we inherited from Adam. From the original sin in the garden. And every sin that we have committed. Saying amen. And yes. To sinfulness. Christ for our sins as the wrath of God was poured out to punish our sin. We pray that you remind us as we come to this table what our Savior has done.